We're here to, to, that has to be effective for the forward mission of Jesus Christ. And so um, that's our heart behind it. And so we want to make sure we do that. Also, Pastor Tommy and Pastor Ronnie are out of town with Luciano, his brother, Luciano and Sister Michelle. It is their daughter, Justine's 18th birthday. So they went to San Diego. I just want to pray for them while they're there. Any of us who uh, are filled with the Spirit and walking with the Lord, we know there's no such thing as vacation anymore. I mean, you, you'll be in Disneyland, and God is there telling you to talk to the stewardess or talk to the... I mean, you just don't have <laughs> a way, a, a getaway from God. You know, he, He's with you everywhere you go. But I want to pray that their time is effective, both with their family and just whoever they meet. So, Father, we lift up the Gutierrez families to you right now. And we just pray right now that even though they don't even know we're praying, that in their spirit, they would sense that you're moving even now, wherever they're at. If they're having breakfast or a brunch or getting ready to go to lunch or they're spending time together, Father, would your Holy Spirit go now and just rest upon them, begin to stir in them and prepare them for their time. We pray a blessing over them that you use them for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Also, if you didn't give during the break and you prefer giving online or what have you, pathway.family, very, very simple, pathway.family. Sometimes people go pathway.family.com. I'm like, no, pathway.family. And there's a link to give there. Um, you, can, you can go there and, and give there. It has been almost three years. June will be our three-year anniversary. We're doing a three-day celebration for our three-year anniversary um, the last two times we had a anniversary, we had ordinations with that as well. This will be the first time that we're not having any ordinations at this anniversary. There are people who are being raised up in lead, into leadership positions now, but God has saw it fit to uh, give them one more year. So they'll still be operating in, in certain areas of service as the church grows. One to every seven to eight people is about the right number that any person that is uh, teaching the truth, walking in the truth, can manage any relationship at any time up to about eight people. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't really, really handle more than that at any one time. I'm not saying the same eight people for a lifetime, but I'm saying that at any one time throughout my week, eight families is a lot. That's like the peak of what I can handle. If, if, if I got people calling and pray, for prayer and want me to be involved in things, once it gets past that number, I, I start diminishing in my ability to help because I'm dealing with so many others. So that's why we have leaders in the church, because they, are, they then get raised up to carry on the, for, the forward mission of Christ and the truth of Christ. So God is raising up other people right now. It's, it's awesome to see and watch. But this time next year, there'll be some more ordinations. Is there still a ring in this? Huh? No? You guys don't hear that? It's like, it's like hollow. Like maybe there's not a, I, I, like too many mids or, or something. Sorry, that's my, my musical side. Like, I'm, dee, got this little thing in my ear. Um, also, we have, we have been faithful by God's grace to stand in the truth. Good to see you, Chris. To stand in the truth. We have been faithful by God's grace to stand in the truth. Um, it's come with a lot of persecution. I mean, since we started the church, I have been called everything you can think of from you, from some of you even. Like, some of you have, Right? But I'm not the only one facing that. There are people in this church who their family members are having to deal with that. And I don't know if you remember, but I had a conversation with somebody a couple weeks ago that didn't know I was the pastor of the church. 
and they were talking to me, which was really cool because they were talking to me in the freedom of a conversation without the image or the idea of a title. So the conversation, it's kind of like when I was in the business world and I wore a suit and I went into a business meeting in a suit, they talked to me different than if I was to walk up like this. Or if I sat in a restaurant, right? Brother got a tattoo on his cheek, right? You sit in a restaurant, sometimes people give looks, right? That's just how people are. I would sit in a restaurant dressed down with my tattoos showing. The service was different than if I went in and had a suit on with cufflinks. People sometimes just look with, with the human view. And our brothers and sisters are enduring, and during that conversation, I was enduring the reality that if this person knew who they think I am, not even who I exactly, who I am, but who they think I am, they would talk different because I now have the title over my head that says pastor, which is rightfully so. There is a, there is a certain level of reverence for leaders in the church. But since they didn't know, the, the, the conversation was pure. And then by the time they finally found out who I was, I was no longer a false teacher. Thank you, Lord. Because before that conversation, it was they had ideas and, and thoughts. But afterwards, they were like, wait a minute, you're a son of God, just like I'm, the son of, I'm a son of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we've had to endure a lot of things because, you know what, let's just face it, people don't like the truth. If, if we're all being completely honest, we love it now because, because God has brought us in to know what the truth is, who the truth is. We love the truth now. We can't stop talking about him. He's, he's the Lord. But when it comes to darkness... Having to, be, having to come to the light. We don't like that. We like darkness. Can we say amen to that? We like secrecy. I'm not looking at any young people. I know they're like, he's talking about me right now. No, I'm talking about all of us right now. We like darkness. We like secrecy. We like, we like our own way. We like our own rules. So when Jesus steps into the picture, we're like, we got so many problems with Jesus. We like, well, we, we try to say, oh, but I love Jesus. No, you don't love Jesus. You don't know how to love Jesus. You hate Jesus, and you crucified him to a cross. Every single one of us in here are guilty of the death of the cross. Our sins put him there. Are we connecting with that this morning? So when the truth comes, it's offensive to us because we don't want to deal with the reality of our sin. So in this church... There's so much light. If you go over to Vero and Raul's house, if you go over to Mina Michelle's, if you go over to anybody in this church, Wes and Rachel, you go to Sandra and Paul, anybody, and they're talking about Jesus, it's too much light. Stop. You're blinding me. Why does it have to be about Jesus all the time, right? Like, it's a lot of light. So you don't like it. As a matter of fact, the scripture says we love darkness more than light. Can we all agree? Okay. So as we stand for truth, which is a person, Jesus, as we stand for Christ, we're going to face fleshly persecution. It's good to see you, Locke. We're going to have people come into our lives that try to discourage us from getting closer to the light. Matter of fact, you're going to wake up and have reasons not to be around the light. Not just come on Sunday. You're just not going to want to call nobody. You're not going to want to talk to nobody. Your flesh doesn't want to be exposed. Now, here's the beauty about the truth. When exposed in the truth, not in religion, but in the truth, there's healing. When exposed in the truth, there's freedom. 
There's no condemnation in Christ. It's freedom. But it doesn't mean that you're not going to be exposed. You can't avoid it. You're going to be exposed, naked before the Lord. Every thought and every motive. I woke up at 1.30 last night, and God was just rebuking me. Just rebuking me. Just, just giving, giving it to me. And I was like, I want to go back to sleep. And he would not let me. He's like, repent. Give that to me. You're no good. Only I'm good. And I'm like, oh, okay, Lord. Okay. Can I go to sleep now? One hour later, two hours later, three hours later, it's literally like four in the morning. And I'm like, I got to preach tomorrow. He goes, I got to preach tomorrow. <laughs> like he's literally rebuking every aspect of whatever I'm throwing at him. He's just ding, ding. I'm God. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I get it. I get what you're saying. Because I'm about to preach this message that is going to offend some people. But it had to offend me first. I, I couldn't bring it to you without it first coming to me, if that makes sense. So as we were talking about, the, last week we talked about raised in Christ. It was the first part of three, the way. And we talked about the way. This week we're going to talk about the truth. But we're not, I'm not going to teach on what the truth is. I'm not going to teach on how to break down different parts of the truth and how to recognize him in your life. I'm going to share a simple story. And I'm going to give you this story, which will totally encompass Christ, the truth. And hopefully, you'll, God will, you know, as he's giving us this big baked potato, he smashes it up for each of us and gives us our portion. And we can just all be content with what God gives us. Amen. Amen. Listen to me. Those of you who are going to walk away and say, I don't know if I got anything, that is your portion. I know that's hard to understand, but sometimes you have to have things go over your head before you can be humble enough to receive it. Oh, man, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Father, give me the strength to preach this word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you glad to be here? I sense an anticipation. <laughs> That's coming from a place. You don't understand. We just, we had two hour lunch. That's, that's real. He's like, I'm, I'm waiting, brother. I don't know what to expect. God knows what to expect. And he never is away from himself. Amen. I want to, um, before I get into the word, I just want to sing um, what we would call a hymn, but I just want to sing hallelujah. I want to prepare our hearts. Hallelujah. If you don't know what the word hallelujah is, hallelujah is a word that describes the highest praise anyone can give because hallelujah literally means glory to God. So when we're saying hallelujah, it's not, we're not saying hallelujah. Our hearts are glorifying the Lord. Yeah, amen. And for those of you that, were, that weren't here last week, you woke up this morning with lifeblood in your body, with air in your lungs, a mind to at least drive yourself here. At least, you, you know, that's the functionality and all of that existence proves God's existence. But you may have been arguing all the way here. You may have been complaining that your toothbrush isn't fresh enough or whatever, fighting with somebody. In that very vessel that's glorifying God without your deciding to, its existence glorifies the Lord, and yet you will not necessarily always be aware of that. And in that, we mock God, which is why we need the mercy of God, because he covers that area of ignorance in our lives. We've all been ignorant. This last week, we've all had things that we did not thinking of the Lord. 
But the very thing we were handling, the fact that it existed showed God existed. And we, and we mocked the Lord without even meaning to. And so I just want to encourage you this morning as we sing this, just know, be, in, be connected with what you're saying. You're glorifying God. Amen? So just sing this with me. Hallelujah. I know we're off key. Hallelujah. Father, hear our hearts this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're online tuning in, you can join in with us where you're at. Sing hallelujah. 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 Lord, we praise you. Lord, we praise you. Yes, Lord. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we praise you. With all that we are. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we praise you. And we sing hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 Father, we worship you right now, and we thank you for your presence, Lord. Would you allow your word to speak to our hearts and change us this morning, that your will would be done. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. For those of you that don't know, Nate, um, who normally leads worship for us, where is he? Is, is, he, is he in here, or is he in children's? No? Well, he can't raise his hand anyway, because he broke his elbow. He uh, fractured his elbow. I was going to mess with him and say, raise your hand, Nate, but that's father-son banter. Um, he fractured his elbow, so he's not able to lead worship. That's his strumming hand, right? Um, but glory to God, God knows what he's doing. Um, we can sing anyways. We can, we can worship the Lord anyways. Um, but that's why we're, we're doing this. That's why we don't have worship this morning. But we're still worshiping the Lord. So, so I saw a sermon. I, I had a whole message ready to go um, two weeks ago for this that I felt God was depositing into me. And, and sometimes when God begins to stir a word in me, it's for me. Sometimes it's not for you. And, and I have to keep that at the Lord's feet all the way up to Sunday. Like even before I walk up here, Lord, are you changing anything? Because I'm at your beck and call. This is not the Tony show. Like you want to just stop and have us pray? We'll pray for two hours. What do you want to do? I'm not worried about it. It's not careless. It's just always seeking God for what he's wanting to do because you never know. You never know how God's going to pour out. We've been in many, many times we've gathered together and you didn't know God was going to give you a word. And the spirit of the Lord came and said, here's what you're doing in secret, <laughs> you know, and the Lord speaks. So we don't know how God decides to ultimately do things. Didn't know that Nate was going to injure his arm, but God knew. 
And he knew who would be here today, and he, knew, he knows what's going on. He's not far from this moment. You know what I mean? He's not far from this moment. And um, I'm about to share a word. I saw, I saw a video, a teaching on this, and I myself have, have also taught this. Um, how many of us in here truly know the story of Jonah? We know the, like, would you say you know about, like, the main points, or do you know the story, like, what has transpired? Would you say the main points or, the, or just the whole story? Whole story? Whole story? Main points? So most of us would probably, probably know the just of the story, that he was trapped in the belly of a fish, right? That he was running from God. We know that part. We know he got spit up on the very shore where God wanted him to go and give a message. Like, that's pretty much the just of it. But God has been dealing with his people and with us here on keeping everything in its right context, meaning that every, every bit of scripture from Genesis to Revelation has been written. Don't make fun of the way I say written either, by the way. Every time she, says, she goes, written. That's how I say it, okay? <laughs> has been written, right, or written. Everything has been written to point to Jesus, Everything, every single line and every single precept, every dot and tittle as the scriptures, it has been there for Christ, not for us. Now, I know we're involved. I get it, guys. We're people. We we have to think about ourselves. That's our human nature. But God is making it very clear that the existence of his word and your very and my very existence is for hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is for the glory of God. It is not for you. The fact that you exist is for the glory of God. The fact that you have salvation is for the glory of God. Life itself is for the glory of God. Everything. So every story written, if, if every, all of our patriarchs, Abraham, Moses, Noah, if they were standing here today, none of them would take credit for themselves. None of them would say, now let's observe my story. And you see what I did here? That's why God blessed me. That's why God blessed me, because I did that. No, they wouldn't. They say, even if God didn't have me here to put someone else there. That's what they would say to you. That I am insignificant in the story. They would say, don't bow and worship me. I'm a servant just like you. Is that not what the angel says in Revelations? So this whole gospel that's out there that makes it about you, this is one of the most infamous stories in the Bible to make it about people. Jonah. And so again, I, I came across this teaching and I saw the person teaching and I said, let me, just, let me just sit and just really take this in. And as the Lord began to minister to me, they began to do what all of us are guilty of doing. We start making the story of Jonah about Jonah. And when we make it about Jonah, who do we make it about? Because we're inserting ourselves into the story. Now, all of a sudden, we're all Davids, and we're all Jonas, and we're all Moseses, and we're all Abrahams, and we're all just these great patriarchs, and it's about us and our relationship, our end of this, this relationship, and it's not really about God. So what I'm here to do, God has called Pastor Tony to do this, bring forth God out of the scripture. Amen. I have not come to stroke my ego or your ego. We all have egos in here, male and female. Young and old. You're not alone, right? Video gamers got egos. They need the highest score and they need to beat the game first, right? It's all ego. We all got egos. Right. All of us. 
And church people are the worst in the name of the Lord because they want the biggest church with the biggest name and the biggest platform. Ego! We have the biggest God. All of us do. From the greatest to the least. We have the great one. So my job here today is to do what we've always been doing, consistently tearing down the flesh and lifting up the Lord. I will not exalt man. I cannot exalt man. God will not let me. So Jonah is used to say what? God's not through with you yet. This is one of the greatest tricks of all time. How many times have you heard a message about God's not through with you? It's, I mean, a lot. Probably too much. I would say once is too much. Because you don't need to hear, watch what I'm about to say. Actually, let me say it a different way. What's better, to hear a message that God's not through with you or to hear a message that God is never through with himself and you get to benefit? Which one would you have? This sounds much greater. This, this one where God is doing something and I'm benefiting from what he's doing? Yes, amen. That's better than just making it about me. I get a double blessing. This is all I get. What did Jesus say? If you let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that's your reward. Oh, there's people all over Facebook posting how they're praying and baptizing people and doing these. The difference between one video and the next is if God is being glorified. If it's for you, that's your reward. So this message of Jonah ignored God, this is what what, what pastors and preachers tend to do. He ignored God. He ran from God. Is there anybody in here running from the Lord? There's a problem when I take the story of Jonah and I make it about running from the Lord and not really what the story is about. Amen? How would you like somebody to tell a story about you, but take the one part of the story, which has nothing to do with how the outcome was, and then says, we could throw the rest of it away because I'm going to formulate an idea around this part of who they were. Do you think Jonah would have a problem with that? If he was standing here today, and someone said, hey, Jonah, man, God wasn't through with you, and he's not through with me. You think Jonah would be like, amen? Or would he be like, hold up, do you even know why I was running from God? You think he would ask some questions about his convictions? Chapter, there's only four chapters. Chapter one through three is all the details of what is happening with Jonah. God gives him a message to go to Nineveh. God says, I want you to tell them to repent. Jonah says, I'm out of here. And you don't really know until later why he left. But he says, I'm out of here. And what happens? He runs, he gets on a ship. And the scriptures say that God sent a mighty storm. It actually says God prepared a storm. It also says God prepared a fish. So there's a whole lot of other things going on than you not, not finishing the call or purpose. There's a whole lot more going on. There's a plan that God has that he's trying to tell all of mankind. All of mankind. Robert and Stephanie, all of mankind. I don't care where we come from. You could come from ur- the suburbs or the urban area. You can come from the hood or you could be having a silver spoon in your mouth. You need Jesus. Jesus is the one that we all need. This message is not about Jonah. It's about Jesus. I'm gonna show you. Because if it's not about Jesus, I throw this whole thing out. I quit. I'm serious. If this story is just about Jonah, what the heck am I doing? I want to make it about Tony. (laughs) Right? 
If this story is about Jonah, why are we trying to make it about Jesus? Because it's all about Jesus. And this is what happened. He ran, storm came, prepared a fish, fish swallowed him. He was in the belly for three days. Now, I'm not going to tell you how that correlates with the tomb, but it does. Three days in the fish correlates with three days in the tomb. By the time he was spit out of that fish, it was all about repentance now. The same way when Jesus came out of the tomb, the only way you're going to be saved is if you're repenting. There has to be true repentance. And I'm going to show you in the scripture. I'm not making this up. But this is the point. Jonah gets through this. He then does what God asked him to do. And then we get to chapter four. And I want to read to you this. So we know he ran from God. We know that a fish swallowed him. The storm came and all that. We got spit up on the shore and he goes and he actually tells him to repent. And I want to read chapter four. Because in the sermon that I saw, it was all about God wants to send you to your family. God wants to send you to so-and-so. That is true. God does want to use everyone as a messenger for Jesus. But your life is not significant based on your activity. Your life is significant based on the message you carry. Your life isn't significant because you told 10 family members about the church you go to or about the gospel It's not the measure of 10 versus one or a thousand. Paul's life isn't more significant than yours because he traveled through 33,000 miles and planted lots of churches and his messages still speak through today. That doesn't make Paul any greater than you and I. That was the least he can do because of what Christ had done for him. The thief on the cross didn't travel anywhere. He stayed on the cross and died, yet he received the exact same reward that Paul received. Can you deal with that? As a believer, can you deal with that? So there is no significance in the amount of people you reach. It's it's God and it's all God. So guess what? If all I do is preach, but you guys are winning the city, we're all winning. This is tough. This is tough because we all want significance. We all want to be Jonah. What if you're Nineveh? Have you ever read that story and saw the other side of it, that you might be Nineveh? Oh, what if Nineveh stood up and said, wait a minute, we're all Jonas. You're Nineveh, Jonah. Turn the rolls on them. How many times have you been in a situation as a believer, knowing scripture, someone comes that God sends to bring a rebuke or correction to you and you turn it on them? Well, you're the one that has the issue, not me. Or you'll say it like, well, we all are fallen to try and avoid the rebuke. What if I'm the one that's in need of salvation? Is my heart positioned and ready to receive the fact that this is not about me being special? (sighs) Come on, guys, help me. Because you watch all the TV shows, you know what they pump into your brain, there's always a number one spot. Then you go to church and they're always acknowledging the good people. They're never bringing up the tax collector. They're never bringing up the prostitute. They would never do that in in, in a church setting. They wouldn't do it. They're going to bring up what seems to be good, and they're going to pull out of these stories what seems to be good. I'm about to tell you about a man, and I'm going to tell you how Jesus brings it all back around. And you're going to see very clearly today, man, and this is the struggle right now. Some of us are like, what is the point for my life? Christ! Christ is the point for your life. That's what this is all about. So wait for it. You ever see those videos on on Facebook? 
wait for it, and you, you skip to try to get to what you're waiting for? <laughs> Come on now. You've done it? You can't do that with the Lord. You will have to watch every detail. You will have to see him beaten, stripped. You will have to see the perfect plan. You have to watch what God is doing. You don't get to tell God fast forward. We are not in control. Amen. Watch this in Jonah 4, verse 1. This change of plans, say change of plans. How many of y'all like a change of plans? Only when it benefits you, right? <laughs> we hate the change of plans when it puts us in the inconvenient spot. So let me just go before this, and let me go to uh, chapter 3, verse 9. Who can tell, perhaps, even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us? When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. This is so tempting to look at and say, they did something and God responded. But if, we, if you were here at the pre-word, I read in Micah how God actually delivers Jerusalem over to the hand of the enemies and literally like a Trojan horse puts them in there to be trampled on, but then raises them up in the middle to save everyone. That, that's what God's plan was. So there's definitely something else happening before we read this. And even though they're repenting, who's the one that convicts the heart to repentance? It's God. You don't even know what you're doing wrong until God shows you. Amen? So if, since they are now responding to God and he sees his work is happening, look at what it says in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. It says, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah. Hold up a second. So Jonah's mad because God forgave Nineveh. Are you catching what I'm saying? See, this is why you can't make it about God's not through with you yet. Because this is really what the message is about, that Jonah was all too human. And God is merciful. We are not merciful. Our mercy runs out. How about this? Have you ever been super gracious to a stranger, but then the stranger becomes your friend and now you're not gracious at all? You, now you have expectations because you got to know them? Have you been, ever been in love with somebody? I'm not looking at spouses right now, Right? and you just were head over heels, but then you're 10 years in the marriage going, you're nothing that I thought you were like before. <laughs> and, then the, and then you have 10 years of data. We love data. 10 years of data stored up in that memory bank of how they've hurt you, mistreated you, trampled on you, and you stayed in the relationship, and God wants to give them mercy now. And now they get saved but you still haven't let go of the pain. See, Jonah understood something about Nineveh that we don't like to look at. They were evil. And he was very upset with God and very angry with God. Verse two, so he complained to the Lord about it. You ever done that? Your prayers are not meant for complaining. <laughs> They're meant for exhorting. But have you ever gone to prayer about somebody and said, Lord, smite them. The mighty smiter, right? Have you, ever, have you ever prayed like, teach him a lesson? He went to the Lord about it. Didn't, and this is his prayer to God. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this? <laughs> that that is why I ran away to Tarshish. 
I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now. <laughs> Look at what he said. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Whoa. You want to talk about arrogance. A man arguing with God about prediction? Verse 4, the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went out to the, oh, oh man, hold on, let me just, whew, Lord, I thank you for your word. Oh, Lord. See, I am so privileged to preach the truth. I'm so privileged this is not a giving message. Like, I'm not trying to pass an offering box after this or a bag. I'm not trying to go somewhere to motivate you to come back here. Like, like I'm keeping it real with you guys. Can I just be real? I'm not trying to motivate you to come back here. I'm trying to help you see to, that you need to stay at the Lord's feet, Amen. that this is not about you. Guys, this is not about you. As hard as it is because you're young and you have a lot of youthful ambition, God understands that youthful ambition. And when you ask him questions like, are you real? Brother, when you ask him, are you real? You know, I get it. I get it, my parents, I get it. But me, I need to know if you're real. Because you know what? I have questions. Is it right for you to have questions about the Lord? This is what he's saying to Jonah. Is it right for you to be angry about this? Like, I'm God, you're talking to me. You're not, you're not praying to Buddha, saying, Buddha, are you real? You're praying to the Lord. And that because of that, that is enough proof that he's real. Because in you, you know you need to turn to him. This is a word from the Lord to you. The Lord is answering your question now. He's real. Thank you, God. Is he not faithful? Yes. Listen to what he says. Watch this. Watch this. Because <laughs> people say, he ran from God. Yeah, but because he was merciful. And Jonah was not merciful. Then Jonah went outside. Now watch what God does to Jonah. And you're going to see this in your life. Those of you who have the spirit of God, may the Lord show you where this has happened in your life. Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord God arranged. Say arranged. arranged. The Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head shadowing him from the sun. Has anybody here ever felt the shade from God, the provision from God? Like you really needed something and he came through and then you had it. You're like, thank you, Lord. Amen. And you didn't deserve what he provided. He just put a leafy plant over you. This, it was a scorching dry time. It was, it was hard, but then he put a plant, he shaded it. And you're like, oh, not knowing he's about to set you up. he's teaching us something. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. You'll be like, thank you for providing. And God is so far ahead of us. And he's not just worried about providing. He wants to free you. 
He doesn't want you to become comfortable. He wants you to worship him. He doesn't want you to, to relax. He wants, he wants to teach you something because he's God. And watch this, verse 7, but God also arranged, say arranged. So he arranged the leafy plant, but he also arranged a worm. You ever get something that you said was from God and then it fell apart? A relationship that you claimed, you knew for sure they were sent by God but then it fell apart. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant. Who was inside the worm crawling and eating? It was the Lord. You may not say that the Lord was a worm. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it was the Lord that arranged the worm. And when he arranged that worm, he put in that worm to eat the other thing he arranged. You ain't hearing what I'm saying. Uh-huh. The morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant and so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged, say arranged, arranged. for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. A, a, a request that he wasn't unfamiliar with. Because he said, God, kill me now. And the Lord arranged for there to be a near-death experience. He said, death is certainly better than living like this. <laughs> Pity party. Then God said to Jonah, <laughs> is it right for you? Watch this. And, and for every person who doesn't understand spiritual people and you get frustrated with them because they talk in parables all the time, deal with it. Because God is a parable type God. He doesn't ever talk direct or as a matter of fact in earthly terms. He, he's going to make sure you know there's a difference between the two of you. And you'd be like, well, well God, why didn't you just, prove, just say it? I would have got it if you just said it. You didn't have to give me a plant, let me get comfortable, have a worm, eat it. I almost want to die to prove a point to me. Well, he's God, and he does it the way he wants to do it, to prove a point to you. Amen. Just, just deal with the reality. This is God. And watch what, it, watch what happens here. Then God said, to, is it right for you, this is verse 9, to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted. Even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant. Now, now notice what did the plant do for him? So the worm did nothing for him, but the worm was in the plan of God. So the worm had purpose, but we want the plant. We want the shade. We don't want the scorching heat. We don't want the troubles. We don't want the trials. We, we, we want the comfort. So he had a problem with the comfort being taken away. That's why he loved the plant. And he said, you feel sorry about the plant. Now watch how God teaches Jonah this. You feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Not to mention all the animals. So the Lord even throws in there where we have no value over animals. He's even saying like those animals are important for the purpose of the things that I want to do. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? 
The Lord is saying here, he's saying, I realize that sin, a worm, has come to eat the plant, Nineveh. They have great purpose for, to bring me glory. Shouldn't I feel sorry for this city the way you feel sorry for the plant? Now, was the city shading God? Was the city causing God comfort? See, this is the vast difference between what Jonah cared for and what God cared for. But brothers and sisters, let me say it again. I'm so glad I get to preach the truth. Because because of the anointing of God on my life, because of the spirit of God, I can see these things. Not because I'm smart. Tony is not smart. I can see these things. The contrast between God didn't need man to comfort him. Jonah needed the plant to comfort him. His, his whole anger came from a selfish ambition. God's mercy wasn't coming from selfish ambition. It's he's a merciful God. There's, it's different. He's not just selfish in the sense that he wants you to see that he, to be glorified. He's saying, I am the sustenance of life. Everything that is living is, comes from me. And so mercy has life in it. Mercy has life, and I'm a merciful God. And so we see now, and you, when you read this and you see the type of person Jonah was, do you want to be like him? Answer that. Do you want to be like Jonah? Do you want to be somebody who argues with God and complains to God and then tries to stop cities from, from experiencing the mercy of God? Do you want to be that kind of person? No, but God's not through with you yet. Just like Jonah, I can pull that part right out of the story and say, hey, he still used Jonah. He can use you. Well, he could also use a worm. Very important that we don't let our egos distort our view of who God is. You want to see what Jesus had to say about Jonah? Because remember, this whole thing has to point back to Christ. Like, what does this have to do with Jesus Christ? I mean, you have a man running from God, angry at God, all the details that happen in the story, yet the entire story has something to do with Jesus. Just like the example of how, how God led Jonah into the conversation about caring about the plant, right? He led them, him there to, to show him something that shouldn't I be a compassionate God? Shouldn't I be a merciful God, Jonah? Am I not being merciful to you right now? I haven't struck you dead, Jonah. You're still talking to me. Wake up. Like I'm being merciful to you right now having this, I don't even have to have this conversation with you, but I love you. I could just do away with you and bring somebody else to handle my... Matter of fact, I could just step down and do it. I don't need man's help. So I'm being merciful to you and you can't see the mercy. Just like we, see, we hear the story and we can't see Christ. Go to Luke chapter 11. I'm going to show you something. Is this a lot? It shouldn't be. It's just, honestly, has, by a raising of hands... Have you been taught this like this before? Now, you guys know I'm not boasting, right? You guys know I'm not boasting. I'm not saying I'm special. This is the Lord. This was here way before I understood it. So I'm not saying I'm special in any way. But have you ever been taught this before? Or has it always been like, hold on, brother. Hold on, sister. God's got something for you. Yes, he does. His name is Jesus Christ. That's the something God has for you. Nothing else matters. What you need is the Lord. You don't need a better life on earth. You need the Lord. He is the better life. Amen. 
So what does Jesus have to say about Jonah? Luke chapter 11, verse 29. Watch this. Watch this. This is powerful. Now, before this, this verse, Jesus is dealing with the people. And while he's dealing with the people, they don't know he's going to bring up Jonah. They have no idea that he's about to make Jonah make sense. Because without this verse, Jonah doesn't really make sense. It's just an event in time where we see the mercy of God. But if we don't really hear what Jesus is saying here, it doesn't bring it full circle. Are you ready for this? I know some of us, even people online, I can, I can, I can feel it and I can hear it now. But bro, I got to live. What does this have to do with me? You're, you're just as selfish as me, man. Like, like lay that down. Lay yourself down. Stop making it about you. When has money ever satisfied you? You have it one moment and it's gone the next. It's like a leafy tree and the worm comes and eats it. Except they're called children. I'm just kidding. Amen. Bills come and eat it. It feels, it feels shady for a while when you got 10 grand in the bank, but then when it's like a dollar, you're like, oh man, woo! How are we going to do it this time? Well, who put the leaf there? The Lord said, God arranged. There's not a single dollar in your account that you arranged to be there. You didn't say what minimum wage would be, what your salary would be. You don't choose those things. And you know when you went into that job, oh, Lord, let me get the job. And he gives you the job, and then you take credit for the work. Every day you go and say how good you are. And then they puff you up. Employee of the month, tear it down. They do that in church now. Volunteer of the week of the month, get out of here. It sounds ridiculous. Nothing makes sense without Jesus. When Jesus is present, it's like it all makes sense. I can have a lot or I can have a little. I have everything in Christ. And we're sitting in a church, brothers and sisters, this, God has not, let me say something very prophetic right now. He has not arranged a worm to eat this tree. The tree of life doesn't have a worm that's going to come and eat it. Amen. There's plenty of shade in the Lord. As a matter of fact, David wrote, I abide in the shadow of the Most High. God has not arranged a worm to eat himself. His shade lasts forever. Amen. We are, this, what is happening here has been here and is here now, and you are blessed to be a part of it. Watch what Jesus says about Jonah. Luke 11, starting in 29. And, and Jesus is literally talking about how, an, before this, how an evil spirit comes out of a person. And I mean, you don't see this coming. And they literally say, show us a sign, Jesus. They're like, give us a miracle. Now watch this. Could you imagine standing in front of the miracle, asking for a miracle? That's called a setup. That's, that's Jonah's, God going, oh, Jonah's hot. Let me give him a plant, but I'm going to bring a worm. He's not going to see what I'm doing. I'm going to put the Messiah in a body, but they ain't going to see him. They're going to kill him. So he has the miracle standing there, and they're begging for a miracle. And listen to this in verse 29. As the crowd pressed on Jesus, he said, this evil generation keeps asking me to show them a miraculous sign. 
But the only sign I will give them is the sign of Jonah. See, now it's not about Jonah, is it? Watch this. What happened to him was a sign to the people of Nineveh that God had sent him. What happens to the Son of Man will be a sign to these people that he was sent by God. The Queen of Sheba will stand against this generation in Judgment Day and condemn it. First of all, if I started doing that right now, if I started saying, hey, you guys are going to be condemned, this generation, no one would come to this church. So I'm going to let Jesus say it. Because it's not us. Watch this. He said, For she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now Solomon was a man who had earthly wisdom. God gave him wisdom more than anyone as when, it, when it came to under the sun. And what did he find out at the end of his life? It's all meaningless. The greatest wisdom we can get from Solomon is that he was not wise. Because watch what the Lord says here. Thank you, Father. Now someone greater than Solomon is here, but you refuse to listen. The people of Nineveh, the people of Nineveh. Now, do you know what went on in Nineveh? Homosexuality, perversion, sacrificing of children. All kinds of wicked things went on in Nineveh to other gods. And he says, the people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it. For they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. You think the Lord's going somewhere. Now someone greater than, say greater than. Greater than. Someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. That's how it points back to Jesus. For me to take the message of Jonah and break it apart into segments and not make it about the Lord is a catastrophe to the entire gospel of Jesus Christ. For me to grab any scripture out of the Bible and put man at the center of the, the, the importance of it is to spit on the entire gospel of Jesus. Our Lord Jesus did not die and raise so we can make it about us. And I know some of us are saying, I've been hearing this for almost three years from this church and you're gonna hear it for 30 more. Because you're, if you really read this Bible, that's all you're gonna hear. It, it's not something we're doing. It's something God's doing. Say arranged. arranged. It's something God's doing. You think that this hasn't been arranged? Is this just another church you're visiting? Because the issue is not with God. Is this just another thing that you're trying to figure something out so you can somehow have a better life on earth? You're going to run into a dead end. You will go to 15 different churches finding nothing. And the worst thing that can happen is you actually find something that you think suits you. No, the only thing that suits us is the Lord. This is why he said what he said. This perverse generation wants a sign. I am the sign. Yet you won't listen to me. Hang with me for a month and you start talking about how you want to create some way to overthrow Rome. I am not here to overthrow Rome. I'm here to overthrow Satan. Satan. 
Remember earlier I said, what would you rather have? This story where it's about you or one where it glorifies God and you're a beneficiary? Well, it works the other way. You keep trying to make it about something on earth. It's really about the devil. And if you get rid of the devil, you get, you get rid of everything else. All the power in the world has been trampled underfoot by Christ. This world cannot do what he does. So I'm saying to you, as I stand here right now, I know, I get it. Let's just break it all the way down. I just got to be completely real with you. I'm 39 years old. I'm going to be 40 years old this year. So what? So what? The people of Nineveh will stand against this generation. You know how old Jesus was? How old was he when he died? You see why they killed him? Because a 33-year-old man that they didn't see as Christ was speaking on Jonah as if they didn't know about Jonah. A 33-year-old man was speaking on Noah and Moses and David as if they didn't know about these men. A 33-year-old man who was literally in the loins of Abraham's seed. Come on, is this too deep? This is the truth what I'm sharing with you. That the maker of the universe was standing before them expressing about these things as if they didn't know about them and they were offended, appalled. Do you know who you're talking to? I have spent thousands of hours reading the Torah. And he's like, I made it. But you failed to see it because your father, the devil, has lied to you, has caused you to make it about you as if you're good. Oh, young rich ruler, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Stop projecting your manhood onto me and let me put my righteousness on you. I know right now that this message of Jonah, people have walked out of services like this one. This one, there's such an anointing on this time. There's such a tearing away of human reasoning. There is such an uplifting of Christ right now that people have walked away going, I should have took notes. <laughs> I, 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 what, did, what happened? Wait, whoa. And that's exactly what the truth does. It makes you say, what in the world is this? It's the truth. And there's none like it. There's only the truth. Amen? Jonah is not any different than any other story. Let me tell you just a couple quick points. Jonah was used by Jesus to say, Jesus say, I'm greater. They repented, you're not repenting. May we all repent now. Right now, every one of us should be saying, Father, forgive me for not dedicating my life to you. For looking away and making it about me. Me, 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 in every way. Forgive me, Lord, because every single one of us can ask God to forgive us. Every one of us, me to you, all of us. Forgive us, Lord. The second thing that Jonah represents is a message of salvation, not a message of condemnation. So even though I'm talking like this, and even though I'm saying tear down the brands, don't dim the lights, like God has me saying some crazy stuff. You guys realize, like, I, I get into some conversations with some of these pastors. They walk in already offended because they watched last week's sermon. And, and, they, and they got their logos on, man. They're really, like, trying hard. And we sit down and they're waiting for condemnation to come. And they get love. 
No, brother, this isn't a personal attack on you or any other church. It's that there's Christ and then there's everything else, including you and I. And we need to get back to the Lord. This is the message of Jonah. This is the message of Jonah. Moses. Moses was a representation of salvation. Was he not used to bring them out of Egypt? So then Moses' life is insignificant if it's not lined up with the very salvation that Jesus came. He was a foreshadow of Jesus is what the scripture says. So do you want to be like Moses or do you want to be like Jesus? You want to be like Jonah or you want to be like Jesus? Watch this. Noah. You want to be like Noah? You want a word from the Lord and build a boat? You know, no, you don't. You want to be on the boat after Noah goes through all that. Saying, yeah, Noah, I was with you the whole time. <laughs> or do you want to be like Jesus? See, the reality of this is none of us want to be like Jesus. None of us really want this, what this really is. We, 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 don't, we don't even want to endure an hour of preaching. What if this turned into three hours of preaching? At what point would you say, I've had enough? Because we all have a threshold. And I'm not playing games. I'm being honest. Like, at what point do, you, do we then, our flesh gets the best of us? You know, right? You know when you, when you and Regina are arguing and your boss calls and you get straight real quick. What's up, bro? How you doing? I'm good. Yeah, what's up? You turned off the angry button for man. But you can never be pure before the Lord saying, I'm angry right now. Like Jonah was pure. That's why God met him the way that he did. He wasn't trying to hide his anger. He was like, yo, you already know, man. This is, this is where I'm at. Do you want to be like Christ or do you want to be like Noah? Noah was used to build an ark to save the world, not kill the world. Even though the whole world was wiped out, the entire story of Noah was that people were going to be saved. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the saving power of God. You wouldn't be here. So everything is about Christ. And the sign that we're left with is the sign of Jonah. Is that not what Jesus said? So we are all left with that sign right now. What are we going to continue doing, brothers and sisters? Living behind filters? What are we going to do? Repent. You have to repent. I'm praying right now, and I know this is going to sound really bold, and I, I, I pray I make more friends than lose them with what I'm about to say. But over two years ago, God asked me to stop watching movies. Those of you that have been here with us that whole time, be honest. Have I ever pressured you to stop watching? You guys have to take it all before the Lord, right? There's no condemnation in Christ, so he'll work these things out. But let me tell you why God asked me to stop watching them. Because he said, I'm not fellowshipping. They're just ministering to me. I can't talk to the actors and tell them, hold up, stop right there, explain. It just keeps going. And have any of you in here ever put on a child film, PG, and expected it to be ch children friendly, but then, the, then the, the innuendo comes, the sexual innuendo or something, and you go, whoa, and it's already in the air. How many times does that have to happen before you say, you know what, I can't let that happen anymore? And then you, you're wondering why your children are sec sexually active. They have a flesh that's full of sin that, has nothing, that wants nothing to do with God. And God leaves this message of Jonah saying, repent, and we aren't even repenting. Like, this is the reality of our condition. This is why it was hard to go and say, repent, Nineveh, because <laughs> they were doing stuff. 
And here we are today, right now, 2021, after a crazy pandemic, and everybody's like this, I can't wait for this thing to be over so I can go flesh out. (laughs) And I am telling you, God is not wanting you to do it. The best thing you can do right now is turn to the Lord over and over again. And I hope this message doesn't feel all over the place to you. Right now for me, because the way God's operating, I have to go back and watch this message to make sure that I'm not all over the place. But for you, it's probably spot on because every time I go back and watch it, it's like, makes total sense. But for somebody who's being led by the Lord at this pulpit, who comes here every Friday and prays, God, do not let lies come from this, this stage. Every Friday, I'm here, right here. Lord, only let your truth come because if it's not you, I don't want it, Lord. I don't want it. And every time, man, does he come. So he's saying, repent. He's saying, look at the sign of Jonah. He's saying, don't try to make it about having a better life. Like, okay, the pandemic's going to be over. Let me turn this off. The pandemic's going to be over, guys. The pandemic's going to be over, but it'll be something else. You know what you're going to get after the pandemic? The world. Trouble. Trial. But for you who are born again, Jesus. You have the Lord. So in closing, there is no closing. This isn't over. You're going to go home. You got laundry you need to do. Don't let it get you in the flesh. You got a hole in your wall you need to patch up. It's been there. So what? You have Jesus. Look at, he's already, he can't wait to leave. Look at him. Starting route to 25. <laughs> Kids, <laughs> get out of here, man. This is crazy. Oh, my. <laughs> and the Lord arranged Route 20. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Arrange this. Man, that's funny. Can you guys commit to praying for me? Would you commit to praying for me and my wife? I'm going to be transparent. If you can turn that off, Phil, we're done. I want to be transparent with the brothers and sisters here. So last night I couldn't sleep. 